0: Well, good morning, friends. I'm fired up about this week's message. I hope you're as fired up as I am. And I want to look into the camera, welcome those watching online. One day, we can't wait, uh, if Lord willing, you're able to come and be in this room in person. But I know we got those watching from California to Texas to Florida to Tennessee to South Carolina. We have people watching all over this nation right now. So hey, can you give them all a warm welcome real quick for those watching online? Welcome you guys. Yeah, well I hope, uh, I think I have an encouraging message for us, it's gonna be more encouraging than what Pastor Brandon said that we all are getting old and we'll die, Right? (laughs) So it's a little more positive than that one. (laughs) But uh, that that is a reality that we don't want to think about. But uh, I really believe that the Holy Spirit has stuff in store for us today. And I'm really excited. We've been on this journey together called Unchanging. And this is part six. And we'll wrap it up next week. And then I'm really excited what the month of October is going to bring us. And just a quick tease is that uh, the last eight weeks, I've been hearing more and more people that have been following Jesus for a while, I would say. That are probably you and I would look at them and say, they probably have a very deep well of intimacy with Jesus. Say, I don't know if I'm praying right. I don't know even if I'm saying the right thing or how to do this thing called prayer even though I've been a Christian for 30 years. And so next uh, month in October, we're, we're kicking off our new series titled Prayer. (laughs) I know, crazy name, right? Uh, Prayer, and the tagline is knowing and experiencing God. I cannot wait for it. I think the part of my goal with that series is to deepen the well of intimacy with you and Jesus Christ. And I think that series is gonna help us. Here's a sneak peek. Uh, I believe it's gonna be in the month of November. The very first week, I believe November 1st is a Monday. For seven straight days at 7.30 at night. We're gonna worship and pray together for an hour during that series. Now, we won't have anything in the kids during that time. Uh, at 7.30 at night, we'll always have kids stuff in the morning. But through that seven days of just praying and seeking the Lord together, 7.30 right here in this room. And I know if, you, if you're a young parent and you have kids, here's my encouragement. Take turns every other night. One, stay home and watch the kid while the other one comes and experiences that. 7.30 to 8.30. And here's what that whole, and we'll get into it now, I'm just excited about it, what the Lord's gonna do in that time together. We're calling it prayer. Again, super creative. Prayer, hands up, hands on. We are gonna worship with hands up and we are praying for a spiritual revival with our hands up and it's hands on because some of you, you need healing in your life. You need the anointing of oil and then we're ready to lay hands, the spiritual leaders of this church lay hands on you and pray for whatever you may be facing 7.30 7.30 to 8.30. I can't, pr- we're shooting for 8.30, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let the Lord do what the Lord needs to do. Amen, the passion front row right there. Thank you, <laughs> right? It's just, we'll, we'll get out of the way. But if the Lord says 8.30, then we're done at 8.30. If the Lord says it's 11.30, some of you are like, yep, you'll be sneaking out anyways, but we'll still be here if that's the case, okay? But that's coming up. But we got this week and next week to finish out our unchanging series, and what's so key is what are those firm pillars, that firm foundation you and I can drive into the ground when culture around us, especially the culture that you and I are living into today, that's getting darker and darker and is constantly trying to change what is true. What can you and I do as far as the belief systems that we can drive down into the ground and anchor ourselves so when the waves and the storm of culture try coming and crashing over us, we will be able to stand true. Now before we jump in, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that Holy Spirit would just speak into our souls and that you and I would be open to receive what he has for us this morning. So if you'd bow your heads, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, teach us all things. Teach us this morning. May we be open to the way you're going to tug on us, your gentleness and conviction, and those areas that just in our own walk, maybe we just don't get it about our faith. Maybe we just, there's areas that we don't look like Jesus either. May we be open to your movement of your spirit in our lives. We're here for you, not for ourselves. We're here to bring you honor, to bring you glory, and learn, be transformed, and apply your word in our lives. We pray that in the matchless name of Jesus, and everyone says, amen. Amen. Well, this series, we've been looking at what happened in the year AD 325. We've been unpacking what's known as the Nicene Creed, Again, back in 8325, the church was under attack trying to change the deity of Jesus, saying he was created, he was never God in the first place. And that theology, that doctrine began to creep inside the early church. So they got together, the church leaders, and says, hold on, if culture is trying to change something, we need to gather together and figure out what do we actually believe. And so what they did is they took the entirety of the scriptures Approximately 180,000 words and put it down to Cliff Notes version, down to the essentials, to 271 words. And what you and I have been doing is just unpacking that stuff. And so far, we can't stop where we have stopped so far. There's one last paragraph we gotta unpack. And I love that those at the Nicene Council, when they wrote that creed, did not stop where they did. Because this is foundational and where they stop, this is what I believe may be missing today. So far, we're working through this intimacy that God is creator over us, and it's Jesus, and now it's the Holy Spirit, where we left off yet last week. We're right there, and there's something profound that's going to happen. But there's something missing in the church today. It, we have a problem, and the problem is this word, through. It's what, friends? Through. 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 Understand and know this today if you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the church is a people that Holy Spirit works in and what, friends? In and what? Through. We have a through problem. Many of us may realize, whoa, well, I get it, because Pastor Ryan unpacked it last week that the Holy Spirit works in us. What does He do? Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. He convicts us of things that got to get out of our way, and He fills us with His presence. But I want you to know this the Holy Spirit wants to use you. He wants to use you. You are God's plan A on this planet. There is no plan B. You're it. He wants to transform you with the Holy Spirit to work through you. Holy Spirit's not just in you for you, he's in you through you. And we have to understand that. Don't disqualify yourself. Listen, your heavenly father loves you so much and wants to use you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to use you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, oh yeah, he wants to use you too. (laughs) This is an awakening truth that I think if we grasp in our families, if we grasp this as a church, we will see revival sweep across this nation. Even as dark as our culture may be getting at times, we will see revival knowing that the Holy Spirit is in you, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, the same spirit that fell down on the Apostles that started the church is in you and wants to work through you. This is life-changing truth today. So far, we've covered this idea when the Nicene Creed kicked it off. It's this idea that there's a creator God. And we said that God is over us. God is what? Over us. That there's a creator. We are his creation, his Imago day, that you and I are very special creation, with a unique purpose, with unmatched dignity. Everyone is the omago Day. but there is a God that is over us. And then you work through the Old Testament, you get down to now that there's this guy named Jesus who is fully God, fully man. And God sends him down to heaven to be born of the Virgin Mary. Emmanuel, as the angel says, you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God what? With us in Jesus Christ now. This is why we celebrate Christmas. That God is not just over us as Heavenly Father. He's there, but now God was with us. That God in flesh walked the earth through the person of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ goes to the cross to save us, to redeem us, to buy us back into right relationship with the God who is over us, our Heavenly Father. And in the process of that, he's buried, he's in the tomb, and three days later, he defeats death and is risen, hangs out for a little bit, then ascends back into heaven. But the apostles or the disciples weren't left alone. Because Jesus says, I have to go, because if not, the spirit can't be in you. And that was the next thing, that God is in us. God is what? What? in us with the holy spirit so in other words jesus literally you can read it all in john chapter 14 15 and 16 it's the night that he's going to be betrayed and handcuffed that jesus is saying guys it's better that i'm gone i'm with you but listen there is something better and you're going to do greater things than i am with you because you have the presence of god now in you which is the holy spirit it's the Holy Spirit. And this is the progress of the creed in intimacy. God over us, God with us, now God is in us. And the, and the early church now is birthed because the Holy Spirit has fell on the disciples and now it's going in power. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive what, friends? Power. power. It's dunamis, which means dynamite. Come on, you will receive power. Power. This is when Jesus is talking to his disciples. When the, when who? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, the power is going to come. But listen, you need a filling of the Spirit first. It's available, but you got to get filled with the Spirit. And then it says, now watch what's going to happen. You will be my witnesses. You're going to go and spread the gospel message of who this Jesus was in Jerusalem. For them, that was their home base. That's right where they were. In that city. And then you're going to go in all of Judea, which is the region now. And Samaria. This is like Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> it's just a place you don't like. Right? The, the Jews didn't like Samaritans. Why? Because they viewed Samaritans as half-breeds. The Jews that were there decided to intermarry with other religions and worship pagan gods and now so the Jews are like, you're not pure, you're half-breeds now. You did what was wrong. And then look, you're gonna go to the ends of the earth. You're going everywhere now. You're gonna be the church that goes. But the Holy Spirit has to fill you and come on you in order to do what God has planned to do. Here is the last paragraph of the Nicene Creed, but we're all gonna look at the first sentence. Last week, we'll finish it. The first sentence of the last paragraph reads this way. We believe also in only one universal apostolic and holy church. That is where we're gonna land this morning. So what I'm going to do with that statement is I need about 10 to 15 minutes to unpack a theological framework about the church because the Nicene Council is making a statement about what we believe the church to be and then I'm going to unpack it in this picture illustration over here. But let's jump back into the creed and understand this word and the word is what friends? It's church. Now, let me give you some theological statement on church. So we have the word church. Now we have to remember the New Testament was originally written in Greek, translated to Latin, translated into our English. So the original word for the word church is ecclesia. Let me hear you say ecclesia. Ecclesia. So that's the original word in Greek when it was originally written. It was ecclesia. We translate it church here's an example where it shows up in scripture Uh, acts chapter 11 verse 26 so for a whole year barnabas and saul met with the church that's where it is it's ecclesia here so for a whole year barnabas and saul met with the ecclesia we translated it the church and taught great numbers of people so, as Paul or as Saul and Barnabas is going out on their missionary journey, planning churches all over the place, what happens was they stopped here for a year to teach the people, the ecclesia, the church. So, now that we understand what the Greek word is for, eccle, or for church, it's ecclesia, you're going to ask the question well, what does ecclesia mean? What's the definition? Of the original language, ecclesia, and it's this it's the called out assembly. The called out what, friends? Assembly. assembly. Understand the theology here. When the Nicene Creed's saying that we believe in only one universal, apostolic, and holy church, they're saying the holy ecclesia, the holy called out assembly. Now, this is where you need to li- lean in for a minute. Why called out? Because we are called out as followers of Jesus to not live like the rest of the world. We are called out from paganism. We are called out from Gnosticism that the early church was struggling with. A lot of Paul's letters that he wrote to those churches, think about this. If you know, you gotta study Gnosticism, you'll understand why Paul uses some certain languages. Because the early church, like the early, early church, after Jesus was gone, the early, early church struggled with Gnosticism. That was a main theology that was trying to weave its way into culture too. And then by the 300s, they had to deal with the deity of Jesus. But it's called out from that. We are called out, that God has called us out from the world to follow after him, after Jesus Christ. Now, here's a theological issue that you and I run into. What happened is we eventually t- took this word, Ecclesia," meaning church, Which literally defined the called out assembly, and we started relating church to the building. You see that? The building is where we gather, we are the church. We have to understand it. Do you know why this happened? Because the churches, if you will, were the called out assembly was getting larger and larger. And then as the churches were getting larger and larger and growing in numbers, they began building buildings such as what we're in today. And we didn't have a word for the building. And so they just dumped the word ekklesia, church, on the building where the people gathered and it stuck. So you and I are super thankful that we have a building that you and I can gather, Amen especially in Michigan here, in January when it's freezing cold and snow, you and I get to get out of the snow and into warmth. We're thankful for that. But you and I could pick up what we're doing now, go into our back 40 lot over there and be the church. You and I could go to Five Lakes, grab some coffee, sit down together and still be the church there. This is a building that God uses and we're thankful for it. We're thankful for your faithful giving. We're thankful for the resources we have and we praise God for it. But we are the church. Please hear me. This is why a lot of Christians got up in arms when the last 16 to 18 months. Because what they said is you took away church. No, we didn't. If our theology is correct, you're the church. We can't take you away. We just, just COVID took the building where we gathered away, but you are still the church. It's wonderful to gather in this facility. It is wonderful, but we never lost the church. In fact, I think too many of us bought into culture and tried taking what culture was telling us and try to tell the church how to be run. We will never take cues from culture. We will take our cues from God's word. man, you guys are on fire. I love preaching to you guys. All right. So, it's profound. It's profound. So, church, here's the, and we're going to work our way backwards in this statement. So, we looked at church. Now, this is an adjective of holy church. It's interesting that the Nicene Council said it's a holy church. We believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the biblical writers to write and pen on the papyrus that they wrote or the scroll that they wrote on. It, is, it was written through human hand, but through the inspiration of Holy Spirit on the paper. And so what holy means is, according to um, all, all of our theology books, it means, holy means to be set apart. Holy means to be different. So let's think about that. What they're telling us is that the church is to be set apart and look differently than what? Than the rest of the world. That you and I should be, honestly, when culture looks, we ought to be a little weird. Just a little bit, okay? Don't take it too far. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a little weird. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you're definitely weird. <laughs> Please hear me. We don't want to be weird like, the problem is we got a wrong definition of weird, right? We think weird of like goofy, weird, like that's just stuff I don't. No, what I mean real is you and I handle our finances differently because of the Holy Spirit than how the world may apply. You and I are different in the way we love one another, the way we serve one another, than what culture defines as love. Does that make sense? That's what I mean by weird is, yeah, of course they're going to look at you and be like, you're not like me. And you can say, absolutely, I found Jesus. What about you? All in love, okay. So, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, or Peter pens this in First Peter one sixteen: "Be what friends, holy, because I, God, am holy." Remember, you and I from the beginning of the creed understood that there's a creator God created you and I in his image, imago Dei. We are the reflection of our creator. And here's the statement. You and I are to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. Why? Because God is holy. It is part of who we are is this idea of holiness that you and I live and can live holy lives to the power of Holy Spirit in us. That you don't have to struggle with that sin anymore. I truly believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to struggle with that sin anymore. You don't. Because if you're sitting there going, I'm always that, then your defining sin is greater than the power of Holy Spirit in your life. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, that filled the apostles and they birthed the church and had the greatest movement, is in you. We believe in an apostolic church. Apostolic, this is probably that one word of all the adjectives that's are gonna trip you up a little bit. Here's what we mean by apostolic. Apostolic is giving us the framework for which the church is built on. It's the framework of truth. So, did you guys know as followers of Jesus, you and I don't get to vote on what we believe is true? I, when's the last time you took a truth poll? Right? We, don't, we don't go to search Google and search, what do Christians believe about this? We don't define truth. God speaks truth because he is truth. And what apostolic means is that the Holy Spirit inspired the, the apostles. Now let me define apostle for you, because there's a little confusion. Disciples, uh, didn't Jesus have 12 disciples? And where did all these apostles come from, right? Disciple means a learner. So you had 12 disciples following Jesus, a rabbi or a teacher. What happens when your rabbi and teacher, woo, is gone? You're not learning anymore. For them, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and now they're sent out to do business. Apostle means one who is sent out. So now when you read in the book of Acts, the ones you used to read about the disciples are now apostles. They have, they've been empowered through the Holy Spirit, sent out to launch the church. Also, some of them wrote God's word that we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired them and penned the letters in this inspired word of God. This is truth. And you know why you and I don't get to define truth? Because we'll define truth by how we feel. And your feelings will come and go like waves. They'll come in and they'll come out. Because how many people wanted to throat punch someone to this week and you're glad you didn't, right? It was a feeling for a moment. But we can sit here and go, this is God's truth that he wrote through the apostles. So you and I can build a firm foundation knowing what is absolute truth, the authority of God. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says this, "'Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, "'but fellow citizens with God's people, "'and also members of his household, the church, "'built,' watch this, this church, "'built on the foundation of the who?' "'Apostles,' there it is. "'The apostles and prophets who were Isaiah, Jeremiah, "'Ezekiel, all those in the Old Testament,' With, the, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. It's apostolic. We believe through the inspiration of Holy Spirit that he wrote truth through the apostles. Here's the other adjective. Two more adjectives. We call it universal church. Maybe some of you have recited this creed and the word Catholic is there. If you notice, it's a lower C Catholic meaning it's universal. That's what that, the, the word Catholic right there means. It's universal Universal, what does it mean? We're talking about the entire church as a whole. Every brother or sister in Christ before us and every brother and sister in Christ after us. As Pastor Brandon has pointedly, lovingly shared with us, there will be others after we're gone, okay? There. It means the entire church. Everyone who has claimed Jesus Christ and Jesus has claimed them. Hear this statement, you are not a Christian because you claim Jesus, you are a Christian because Jesus claims you. You are marked and sealed upon salvation by the Holy Spirit. He has claimed you to be his child and the enemy cannot and does not have authority and reign over your life. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does. And so it's talking about everyone in our past and in our, in our future who will be the church. It's universal. The church is really big, isn't it? The church is bigger than this church and the churches in our community and beyond. The church is real big. I love what the, um, what Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says this, and he, referring to Jesus, is before all things and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. And he, Jesus, is the what, friends? He's the... Head of the body, which is the church. So am I the head of the church? I know. No, I'm not. (laughs) Is my boss the head of the church? No, he's not. Is any denominational leader the head of the church? No, is the Pope the head of the church? No, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head. He is the absolute head of the church. And I know we're unpacking some theology here just to help uh, understand who and why the Nicene Creed was written. But this is a really big deal. The church is big and Jesus is the head of it. You know what the church is also described as? not just the body, but the church in the New Testament is also described as Jesus' bride. I love my beautiful wife dearly, but I'm gonna tell you this. You dismiss my wife you and I are going to have issues because she's a part of me. She does ways to serve you that are behind the scenes that you have no idea. She's a reason outside of the Holy Spirit why I'm here and what she's done for me. Dismiss my wife. Whoo! You dismiss me. You cannot dismiss the church and follow Jesus. Jesus. It's his bride. It's his body. You cannot say, you know what? They're a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want anything to do with that church. Listen, when someone says that, say, yeah, we're a bunch of people like you who need Jesus. If you love perfectly, then teach me how to love perfectly, because we can't. We need help. We need help. And there is a thing to understand. This world has to understand that there's a high standard of living that Jesus set the bar. And the problem is the world sees that bar set here and then sees Christians and say, ha, you hypocrite, you're not living up to it. Jesus set the bar high, but the beauty is Jesus doesn't lower the bar for us, he lowered a knee to meet us where we're at so to pick us up to the bar. And that's what Jesus did you need the church. Well, my faith is personal. Your faith was never meant to be personal. It can't, it's impossible. Then you can never obey every word Christ says and you're living in constant sin then. You can't one another by living in isolation and not needing other people. Have you ever seen someone try to be alone and one another someone? I don't know who they're one anothering, but that would be really weird and awkward. You can't, we are built in community. The Imago Day. What is the Imago Day? The image of God. What is God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a community. You're built for community. Introverts, raise your hand. I know we struggle to raise our hand. I'm one. Never let our introvertedness cause us to say, I'm not meant for community. What it means is we just need to be refreshed in isolation so we can go and engage the world. Guess what I'm going to do, maybe, when I get home? You got it, nap. (laughs) No, I'm going to try something. I just need to be alone, breathe, then I can come and engage. Extroverts, where are you at? Yep, you freely raised your hand. You're like, yeah, woo right? You love engaging people right? That that gives you energy to engage people, right? You love it. But we need to know you can't dismiss his bride and claim, I follow Christ. Here's the last one. One. It's how many? One church. One church. And Jesus Christ is the center of it all. Jesus Christ is what unites all of us. Here in Ephesians, it says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the what? The spirit, the unity of the spirit. Make every effort. Who is Paul writing to? Christians. And he's reminding the church folks, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And then watch how many ones he talks about. There's one body. How many? One body, what's he talking about? Ecclesia, the church. There's one church. There's one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Here is one. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of it all. That is what unites you and I is Jesus Christ. We are one. One. He goes on, watch this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. If we weren't one and supposed to be in this environment, what's the equipping for? What would you ever need it for then? And he says this, here it is. Why does he equip you? So that the body, that the what? The church of Christ may be built up. In other words, we can't dismiss this, that Holy Spirit has poured into you with gifts and equipped you to build the people around you right here in this church family. And look, I realized the last 16 to 18 months kinda screwed that up when you weren't gathering together. I think it's time to get this back. Enough said, let's move, let's go. Beep, beep, green light, let's go right so remember the way we started Holy Spirit works in you and what friends through you so let's play this out representation of Holy Spirit part of the Trinity part of the Godhead and Holy Spirit is here to fill people at the moment of salvation it's a free gift I often wonder hang in there listen to this this is awesome I often wonder when you get to heaven, how many biblical characters I'm ask questions to, like Jonah." Hey, the Bible never told us it's a whale, but we keep teaching the kids it's a whale. Was it a whale? <laughs> or just a big fish. <laughs> big grouper. Hey, what was it like, Moses, to go on the mountain and you saw that burning bush? Right? And, and the bush starts talking to you. What was that like? Right? And it says, you're standing on holy ground. Take your sandals off. And what's weird, Moses, is you started talking back to a bush. Right? (laughs) Like, what was that like, though, to encounter God that way? And I'm sure if you know the biblical, some big heroes of our faith back in the Old Testament, maybe you're going to come up with some questions. I wonder if they're not going to ask us questions. What was it like to have God in you? Because he wasn't in us yet. He showed up in that way. Or he was in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. What was it like to always have God in you? Isn't that awesome? It's a different perspective, but it's awesome. You have God in you. The Holy Spirit comes and we remember the ecclesia, the called out assemblies, those that are in us or those that are believer or disciples of Jesus who are put our faith and trust into Jesus. The Holy Spirit has filled you. You have the gift and I don't have enough milk to fill these all up, but you'll get the idea that the assembly, the called out assembly, look at us. We all have the Holy Spirit who has filled us, worked in us doing amazing things so that we are empty in life, that you and I could look like Jesus. And then the scriptures that we've looked at, just looked at, tells us that the gifts of the Spirit was to use for what? To equip the people for good works. To do what? Build each other up that the spirit has given you gifts. Look what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact you are doing. So Paul's saying church in Thessalonica, you're doing it right. You're building each other up. So the Holy Spirit fills us as the called out assembly. So now you and I can pour into each other with our spiritual gifts and encourage one another and build each other up as we pour in and out on each other. Just some of you are serving in incredible ways because that's your gifting and it's filling another person up. And we work this way. We're the church. We build each other up. The Holy Spirit works in you. But he's not done. Because there's a world out here that's spiritually unresolved. Luke 19.10, Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The issue, if we would have stayed with the Nicene Creed and not talk about what the church is supposed to do, will stay here in a holy huddle. And this mentality here says, Holy Spirit is in me and only for me. Holy Spirit is in you to work through you. And you know who those people are. Now you go out into the world who are spiritually unresolved, spiritually empty, Lost. These cups represent your coworkers. They represent your family members, your teammate, your classmate. And now Holy Spirit says, hey, they're in your life for a reason. Pour a little Holy Spirit in them. Now I realize every illustration does break down because you're like, Ryan, they're not saved. They're not filled yet. I realize that. Just break it down right now. But they get a little bit of the Spirit and go, whoo! who's that? And you're full of the Spirit and you know what that is. And you pour a little bit more into them, a little bit more, a little bit more, then all of a sudden, now they're saved and they know where they're going and now they're part of the called out assembly. Holy Spirit works in you and through you. See, there's a uh, a person in my life that I had three other men praying for. Spiritually unresolved, spiritually lost. If they were to die, they would spend all eternity away from God. I had these group of men praying and praying and praying for this person. And one day, out of an act of kindness, I did something for this person. They showed up here. And these men who have been praying, sitting they're going, hey, they showed up. You see, they showed up. Yeah, I showed up. That's how awesome. That service, I gave the salvation message. And the person that was dry spiritually came to salvation that day. And now is filled with the Spirit. And now they're part of the church, the called out assembly still working on things, got baptized, still working on things. But it was someone in my life that I knew was spiritually dry. And I'm asking a group of men who were part of the called out assembly to pray for that person that's in my life. And look what Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit works in you and through you. I love What Paul writes here, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for, what's this one word? Notice how Paul did not say, you know what? Only pray for those you like. All people, all people, for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. How do you and I live in godliness and holiness? Through the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then it goes on and says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior. You and I living godly and holy lives who, look at the heart of your heavenly Father, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. The heart of the Father is for everyone to come into relationship with him. Everyone to understand what is this unchanging truth that changes lives. And how he's going to accomplish this is when the Holy Spirit works in you and through you. You're his plan. There's no plan B. You're it. And I know for some of us who sit there going, Ryan, this is too much. I can't do this. I can't even get my own life straight. How am I supposed to go to a spiritually unresolved world and try to give them Jesus when I, I barely got an, a little sip of Holy Spirit in my life? And you know what we begin to do? We begin to disqualify ourselves from God using us. But Paul reminded those Christians in the city of Ephesus with this. For we are God's what, friends? Here is his handiwork. If God had a refrigerator, your pictures on it. You're his handiwork. You're his special creation and he loves you so much. You are his amago day. You're created in Christ Jesus watch it, to do good works. He's created you to do good works. Don't disqualify yourself. That's the lie of the enemy trying to deceive you and trip you up. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch this. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Maybe, perhaps, before you were were even thought of by your mom and dad, God knew in advance He has work for you. Know this Holy Spirit is preparing you, He has works for you to do, and for maybe for some of us, it's more of his filling in our lives, preparing us for what he has, the good work for you and I to do, but we need this. He's not just preparing you, but he's positioning you. The word is called oikos. It means the extended family that you have influence over, that are far from God. There are people that he has positioned in your life to work through you. So you sit there and wonder, God, I've been praying that this annoying person would quit at work. (laughs) But maybe I'm here for a reason and they are too. Maybe you've positioned me here for a reason. Teachers, if it's that one child that's in your classroom, you go home and just want to complain about, but God has that child in your classroom for a reason. Go be the light to them. Coaches, you know that one? No matter how you coach them up, they're always going to do it wrong. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe God has positioned you to be their coach right there in that moment for a reason. Maybe perhaps it's bigger than the sport. That neighbor that lets its dog doo doo on your yard. And deeply you want to take that bag and just throw it back in their yard. Maybe God has you living in that neighborhood for a reason. Ask this question. Where has God positioned me? The job that you really, right now, you're like, Ryan, don't even talk about waking up for work tomorrow. That job? Okay, God, have you positioned me here for a reason? Not only is Holy Spirit preparing to do a work in you, he's building you. Remember, he's convicting us of things that don't look like Jesus to point us to more like Jesus, to fill us more. He's preparing you. He's positioning you He's got you in the place for you to minister to a spiritually unresolved world. And he's empowering you to do so. You don't have to do it alone. It's not on your own skill set, it's not on your own gifting, it's not on your own ability. The way we started is the way we close, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit fills and comes on you and rests on you, you have his power to now go do what you were created for because Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you. But we need his power. We need his power. And that is the church. Build each other up and grow in our faith and now let's go and be a church to the spiritually unresolved people in our life the team opened closed us last week with a brand new song called rest on us and we're going to close with that new song again may it be your heart and your prayer that holy spirit would come again and do it again like he did how you and I read when he hovered over the waters, when he came like wind and fire on the apostles in the upper room and anointed them, filled them, and they sent off. May that be our prayer. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to, I want to pray for you. And then let us worship, truly meaning, come rest on us, Holy Spirit. Father God, we give you our gifts. We give you our abilities. May it never be in our own gifting or ability, but we give it back to you knowing that when you fill us, we will receive the power to do the work. So Father, there are people in our lives that are far, far from you. And we know your heart is that everyone would be saved. Everyone would come into the relationship with you. Oh, Father, will you use us? Holy Spirit, will you come and rest and fill us? And may we be a church that doesn't just gather. May we be a church that goes. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.